0: All you visitors here, God bless you. Glad to see you out this morning. All you regulars, blessings to you can fill out your Connect card and put it in the offering plate at the end. Listen guys, we love to pray and get an agreement with you on some things. Alright, Luke 11 is where we're going to begin. Um, we just came back from the marriage retreat and it was wonderful, 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 yeah. But I know not all of you could go because of time and this different schedule, so... I'm going to talk about some of the things we talked about up there today, and I believe it will help you in any area of your life. And some of you say, well, I'm not married. Well, you're still at the right place. We're going to talk about unity today, whether that's in a marriage relationship, whether that's with your, your family members, kids, parents. I'm going to tell you guys, anytime we get out of unity, it's not well with us. And so Scripture's going to bear witness of that. Begin with me in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And he, the he was Jesus, he was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, Jesus cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided itself is brought to desolation or brought to ruin. Now, if you'll note there, he said every kingdom. Now, if you think in terms of a kingdom, that can be large, okay? That's something that's big, significant. And he's telling us right here, even as significant as the kingdom of darkness is, even the kingdom of hell if it's divided, guys, it falls. It gets into ruin. And he goes on here, and he ends up saying, and a house divided against the house falls. So Jesus is trying to tell us here, it doesn't matter if it's this extreme of a kingdom, or even your house or my house, when there's division, guys, it's going to fall. Listen in some other translations. The message says a civil war, a constantly squabbling family falls to pieces. Your family, my family. The Amplified says it this way. A kingdom split against itself is doomed. The united household or the disunited household will collapse. Your household, my household. If we're disunited... Now, you can read this passage here and you find out real quick that unity was big to Jesus and it's still big to Jesus. Why? I believe Jesus knows in a place of unity, that's where God can move. Only in unity. But not only does Jesus know that, the devil knows it. And the devil will do anything he can to get you out of unity. I mean, it may take the smallest thing... ...to start a quarrel in your marriage. How many have ever experienced that? I mean, we can argue over the most ridiculous things. Well, the devil knows this. So he's going to try to drive a wedge in there any way he can. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 2... ...and I'm going to read this out of the message translation. Philippians chapter 2. You know, the key to all this, guys, is i got to live in a consistent state of harmony. Day by day by day. And i got to get in unity and i got to do it again and i got to do it again and i got to do it again and when you've done it again you got to do it over and over and over and over and that means i've got to find a way to be united does that mean we'll never argue no sometimes you're going to have arguments and disagreements but the thing is i got to come back to a place of unity okay you got to get there philippians 2 verse number 1 in uh in the message translation it says if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. And be deep-spirited friends. Now, you can read the rest of that out on your own. But it's interesting that Jesus said, get along with each other. That's a process. You've got to learn how to do that in any arena of your life, but especially in the marriage covenant. And if you hadn't found that out, you hadn't been married long enough then. That will happen. Look back in uh, with me to First Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, as you're turning there, what ends up happening many times in a, in a marriage covenant is you marry the opposite. And I say this many times, opposites attract, then opposites react. And so it becomes a process. Actually, in Genesis 2, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one. You know what the, word, or the, the phrase becoming one is? W-O-R-K. It's called work. And you're going to have to work to stay in that place of unity. Now, some of the things that occurs to us, the difference in in our lives as far as the marriage covenant is just the, the difference between a man and a woman. And if you hadn't figured that out, it doesn't take long to look at that and think, golly, we are really, really different. And that's not to slap to either one of us, but I know in my life, I'm good at doing one thing at a time. I'm not a multitasker. If you give me two things to do at once, my little brain tilts. I just can't do them. Where my wife on the other side... She can be doing five, six, seven. She can talk on the phone, cook, do the vacuum and all those things at once. And I look and I don't know how she does it. That's how God designed her. Now, there's only two places in the Bible that God said, I'm going to give you a helper. The first one was Genesis 2. Where he said to man, he said, I'm going to create for you a helpmate. And so you know what that means, men? We must needed some help if God prescribed that. And so I welcome that thought. The second one's in John 14, 16, when he, he said, I'm going to send you a helper in the form of the Holy Spirit. So if God prescribes help in my life, I, I need all the help I can get. I welcome it. So you get back to the marriage covenant, the difference between man and woman, the difference between your upbringings. You may be brought up in a totally different household than your spouse. You may came from a split family. You may came from an abusive father. And so you, you have to get that in. How about this? Here's another one for you. It's called birth order. Many times in birth order, if you were the oldest, you were probably bossy. You bossed your little brothers and sisters around, so then you get married and you think you can boss your spouse around. Have you seen that? How about this? These are two big ones. One area called love languages. Our love languages are usually different, and you know, if you ever read the love language, there's five of them. Some of you, your love language may be touch. Woo, I love you to touch me, dear. The other one hates to be touched. So that causes conflict. I encourage you to study that book and find out what your spouse's love language is and target that, okay? Begin to look at that. My wife's love languages is acts of service. So you know what that means? Anytime I vacuum the house... I'm pumping her up with love. Man, she loves that. When I do the dishes, she loves that. And you know what I found out? i got to do those things if that conveys love to her. you got to find out what your spouse's love language is. The the last area is personalities. Most of the time, we marry the opposite. Now, once we get married, you know what our thought is? I'm going to change them. But wait a minute, wait a minute, let's go back. We married them because we liked them, because they were opposite, they were different. But when we get married to them, we think, I want to change them, I want them to think like me. I want them to talk like me. No, that's where we're messed up, guys. Our job in marriage isn't to change them. And so this is where conflict comes in. But with a conflict comes a challenge too. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Now, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And you can tell right there, just reading that, unity is a big deal. It's a real big deal. Now, I'm going to read this, and this will help you a little more. I'm going to read that same verse in the message translation. It says in verse 10, I have some serious concern to bring up with you, my friends, using the authority of Jesus, our master. Now, if you've gotten born again and given your heart to Jesus, you have access to that authority that Jesus gave every one of us. You know that Jesus gave you some authority? It's called delegated power. How does that work? Well, it's like a police officer, guys. That if he stands out in the middle of traffic, he's no match for a car that's going 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. He'll squash him, run right over him. But because he has delegated power or authority, his uniform, that badge, that whistle, you know all the police officer has to do? If you're going at him 40 miles an hour and he does that, you know what you're going to do? If you're smart, you're going to stop. And if he goes that way, you do it. Not because he's strong, because of delegated authority. And so right here, every one of us need to understand, I have authority in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11 says, that God bestowed a name above all names upon Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, it's above every name in heaven, hell, and earth. And you know what that tells me? It's a lot better than MasterCard. Man, it goes everywhere. And that name, you got to get on the inside where you speak the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I mean, in my life right now, guys, if something happens and it's very spontaneous, man, out of my mouth will say, in the name of Jesus. If someone pulls out in front of you, I say, in the name of Jesus. Used to, I wouldn't say the name of Jesus. Before, Before I got born again, I'd say other things. But now, the name of Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit more about this thing called delegated authority that, that if you're born again, you have access to in the name of Jesus. Years ago, and I encourage you, if you can still get your hands on a man named Kenneth Hagin's books, get them. Get them. I'm going to tell you right now. He will teach the word. Kenneth Hagin, back in the 50s, had a vision or a trance. And he said this, that Jesus came to him and they were looking eye to eye. He said about that time, he said, this little demon shows up. And there's a cloud that goes between him, And he said, I can hardly see Jesus. He said, Jesus begins to talk to me. And when Jesus is talking to him, this little demon gets in between them and starts going yakety-yak, yakety-yak, yak 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 yakety-yak. And he said, I'm looking at Jesus and I see his mouth moving. But he said, I can't articulate anything he's saying. He said, this goes on for a period of time. And he said, in my mind, I'm thinking, why doesn't Jesus do anything about that? Why doesn't Jesus tell him to stop? And so he said, Jesus is talking. That demon's yakety yakety yak yak And so Kenneth Hagin gets mad. And you know what he does? He said, shut up in the name of Jesus. And when he did, you know what he said happened? He said, that little demon whimpered and went away. He said, Jesus looked at me and said, I'm glad you did that. He said, if you wouldn't have done that, there's nothing I could have done. Kenneth Hagin replied to Jesus. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's nothing you, could have, you couldn't have done. And Jesus said to him, I've already done everything I'm going to do. I delegated all that authority to you. And you know where that's at? That's Matthew 16, 19. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind. I tell you guys, there's some of us in here You've got to start getting a hold of the name of Jesus. Begin to speak the name and speak the name and speak the name. And that may be speaking the name and kicking him out of your marriage, kicking him out of your family, kicking him out of your house. Because I'll tell you right now, as long as you give him access, he's going to show up. The bottom line is remember what he told Jesus or Jesus told him. I've already done everything I'm going to do. Use the name of Jesus. Begin to find out in Scripture who you are in Christ. I mean, let it have it. You know, it, with the name of Jesus, he doesn't give you a little punch card that says, now listen, while you're here on earth, you only get a thousand uses of that name. That name is unlimited, guys. That name is everything I do. So the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Okay, keep reading on. Back to the verse 10 in the message. It says, using the authority of Jesus our Master... I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must get along with each other. Now listen guys, we can use that in terms in a marriage covenant. We can use that in the terms of our relationship with our children. You can use that in terms even at work. Because the devil is going to try to divide you any way he can. So he said, you must get along with each other. I don't believe in the scriptures he would have ever told us anything that we couldn't have done. You must get along with it. Now keep going. He goes on to say this. And you must learn to be considerate. You want to see a big word in there? You must learn to be considerate. If you think being considered is just going to happen because we can lay hands on each other. That's not how it's going to happen. You're going to have to learn to be considerate. you know what that means? You're not always going to be right. You're not always going to be first. I can't be selfish and self-centered, but I've got to learn to be considerate. It's a process. Once again, what's the process? W-O-R-K. It's going to take some work. He ends up saying this in the last part of verse 10. He says, and cultivating a life in common. Cultivating a life in common. Now, I don't know what the word cultivating would mean to you, but to me, cultivating means dirt, ground, soil. Think about that. You cultivate all that, you dig it up. Now you may not be a gardener, and I'm I'm kind of a jackleg gardener. I got a little bitty plot. But I take my old shovel out there and I dig it up and I throw fertilizer. I throw compost on it. I work and I plant those little seeds. And you know why I do all that? Because I'm planning for a harvest. But before the harvest is work. Now he says cultivate a life together. You know what that means? You're going to have to work. And sometimes you're going to have to take a chisel out and chisel your heart and plow your heart. You know, I grew up back in Oklahoma, and I saw this every time I was back there at my grandma's farm, that they would chisel the ground. They would, they would disc it up. They would plow it, And when they really, really wanted to bring the good dirt up, they had a thing called a shark tooth. And that thing would go down in the ground about a foot, it seemed like. And you would see all the rich soil come to the top. And you know what all that was? Was work. And then they would bring their planters out, and they would begin to sow that seed in expectation of what? A harvest. It's the same way in our marriages, guys. Same way in our relationships. I've got to begin to cultivate again. And I've got to begin to take, uh, pay attention. Listen what the word cultivate means in a marriage content. To bestow attention. That means I've got to give my, my spouse attention. To care for. To labor. To devote time to, to foster, to cherish, to improve. Guys, this is to build a life, to build a legacy together. i got to keep going with the things of God. But it only happens by work. In other words, you don't fluke a good marriage. A good marriage is not genetically. When I see people that have a good marriage, you know what I understand? They've put in some work. They've put in some effort. You know what Ruth Graham said? Billy Graham's wife? She said a successful marriage is based on two great forgivers. I've never forgot that. Two great forgivers. Am I telling you you got to be perfect? No. Are you going to have some uh, differences at times? Yes. But I've got to come to the place where we leave and we're in unity. We're okay together. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And I can tell you this, here we go to the marriage retreat, and one of my tires gets really low on air. And so to find a place to get air nowadays, it's incredible. What? Hey, you got to go all over town to find air, or they want 75 cents and the compressor will hardly work. So I'm trying to get air, and I can't get air. And so Shelly makes a comment, and as a man, I think she's attacking me. Like, stupid, don't you know how to do it? Well, that wasn't the the way she was saying it, but that's the way I took it. Now, this was this week, guys. And so guess what happened? Just over a tire gauge, you would have thought World War III would have happened. You know what I'm telling you guys? I still got issues. But the, the thing is, is I don't let it last very long. I realize, you know what, we're cultivating something here. We've got to learn to be considerate. So what's that mean? You better learn how to repent and say, I'm sorry, dear, I don't want that. Why is unity such a big deal? I'm glad you asked. Go to Psalm 133, the 133rd Psalm, and this will begin to help you here. Psalm 133, but not only in marriage, guys. This is in our area of our lives. You know, one of my prayers over the church is the brethren of this house dwell together in unity. It takes just one person who's not united in certain areas, <clears throat> excuse me, and it'll mess it all up. The 133rd Psalm, and this is good here, guys. This is going to help you. Man, I've, I've fed on this scripture for a couple of weeks now. Ooh, let this get on the inside of you. Verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Did you see something right there, you can see the power of unity. And you can go throughout the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, and you'll see there's a high priority placed on unity. Now, I want you to get us something something real quick in verse 1. How good and how pleasant. When men, women, when we walk in unity, you know what's going to show up? Good and pleasant. I don't know about you, but I like those words. But where does it come from? Unity. If I'm not in unity, I don't care what type of relationship you're in, it's not going to be there. Verse 2. It is like a precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Now, note real quick there how that verse started. It said, it is like precious oil. What is the it is? Unity. Unity is like the precious or costly oil upon the head. Now think about this just for a second. Get a picture of this. Running down the beard. So think about it. it starts right here on the head. And it starts running down. And it says running down on the edge of his garments. The Amplified says it consecrates the whole body. So, I believe this, guys. When we get into the place of unity, there is an oil, a precious anointing that comes upon us. And as long as I stay in there, what would happen, guys, if we begin to view unity as a costly perfume? Man, we put value on it and say, I got to have unity. I got to have that place. Verse three it is, once again, Unity is like the dew of Hermon. The Hermon there is Mount Hermon, and the dew he's talking about is a refreshing. So just as the anointing to us is like the dew to a mountain, and look what it goes on to say, descending or flowing upon the mountains of Zion. So think about this. When the dew is on the mountain, it starts up here, and it runs all the way down, and it becomes a refreshing. That's the same way with me and you. Our lives, our homes, our families. When we stay in a, in a close net mesh right here, we're unity. See, the house united will stand, but the house divided will fall. Now, you want to see the real blessing of this verse? Get ready. This, this will help you right here. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing. For there. Where? Where is he talking about for what? For there. The place of unity, when we get in that, God commands a blessing. I don't know about you, I like the thought of God commanding me a blessing, but it only happens when I get in the place of unity. And so when you live in a state of unity in your marriage and in your home, guys, God is going to do something. He sends a power from heaven. That's why we must protect the place of unity. you got to protect it. Because, listen, the devil's crazy. He'll use anything, he'll use a tire gauge to get you out of unity. I don't remember which one of our couples went to the marriage retreat, but they told me they got in a huge argument over a package of crackers. And I thought this he's crazy. He'll use a package of crackers to try to get you out of unity. And I don't care what it is, that's his goal because once again, Jesus understands the place of unity is the place where the blessings are commanded. But not only does Jesus know that, the devil knows that. And so he's going to try everything he can to get you messed up. Now I want you to think about something. In the beginning of time in Genesis 1, when God created Adam, you can go back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and you'll never find one time where the devil messed with Adam. You know why I believe? He wasn't a threat. When did the devil start messing with Adam? When God gave him a helpmate. Genesis 3. So you know what that showed me real quick? The devil despises marriage. He does not want you in a place of unity. The second time that the devil gets mad is when in Genesis 3 the family was created. So real quick, you see, the devil doesn't like marriage, and he doesn't like your kids and you. So what does he do? He comes after us. And you can look right now, and this is not condemning anyone in here that's divorced, but he'll do anything he can to divide a home. You know, right now in America, 50% of all pastors will end up in divorce. You know what I believe? He does not want you in unity. He does not want us in, a, in, in any place of agreement. You want to really see why also? Go with me in the New Testament into Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Now, guys, this can apply in many areas. Not just in a marriage covenant. It can apply to you even with your children. If some of you don't have a good relationship in the home, you got to get it right, okay? Get it right. I want the blessings. You know, in my life, guys, I, I thank God that I had a mother and father that stayed together. I thank God for that. Because what happened there is I come underneath that shed. That blessing. You know, I never went home from school wondering, I sure hope my dad's going to be there today. And, and I, I look at that to tell each one of us, there's blessings that come down because you and your wife are in unity. And I only just want you to see the importance of this today. It not only affects you, but it'll affect your children. Listen, guys, you can't do nothing about your past, all right? The past is past. Yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here, so I got today. So I don't care where you're at right now. I don't care if you've been married five or six times. That's in the past now. Let's start today and say, you know what? Where I'm at right now, I'm going to get in a place of unity, okay? And the important thing of that is, that's where God commands the blessing. On you, your marriage, and your kids. Now listen to this. Matthew 18, verse 18. Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now if you'll notice there, Jesus himself said, whatever you, 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 every one of us is yous. This tells me right here, as an individual He's given me power and authority once again. You have a right to use the name of Jesus and say, huh, but you want to take it to a whole nother level? Look what he says in verse 19. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree, where? On earth concerning what? Anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now that word agree there means to harmonize together. And so he tells us some things here. And the message says, my Father goes into action. Do You see something? The devil hates marriage. Now this is my opinion. He hates marriage because I believe it's the strongest form of agreement you can have on earth. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and become one. The devil knows this verse guys. And he going to do anything he can. To keep you from that place of unity. Where you go in and you agree. Now if you'll read this right here. You'll begin to see. Power comes when we live together in unity. There's power there. There's no doubt when you read that. Actually Deuteronomy thirty two thirty says this. That one will put a thousand to flee. Two will put ten thousand. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I like that type of math. I understand that's not addition. That is multiplication. Something happens when me and my wife come into a place of agreement, and we grab hands, and we start praying. And when that happens, you're in unity, the devil gets nervous. He doesn't like it. So what's he going to do? He's going to say, we've got to get them out of unity. Let's throw a tire gauge at them and see how they handle it. Let's throw a pack of crackers see how they handle it. That's why I say he's crazy. Think about this, guys. The next time you and your spouse have a, a, a disagreement, look at, and, and realize, it's the devil. He's just trying to break the team up. And that's where you say, uh-uh, buddy. There's a new sheriff around here. See, the badge it says, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Once again, the power of, that happens with agreement right here. Think about here. This is one of the keys I believe even on Sunday morning. The Bible says do not forsake the assembling together. Don't do it. That's in Hebrews 1. Don't forsake the assembling together. That's why in, in the Old Testament in Exodus it says. Don't, 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 don't mess around on the Sabbath. Come to church. on the... You know why I believe it is? If one will put a thousand. How many we got in here right now? See, when the saints come together and we're in unity, the devil gets nervous. He says it's Sunday morning and they're all together again. Crap. Horrific. That's in the New Testament. The Greek. He gets nervous. He gets nervous when you and your wife get in agreement. See, once again, the scriptures show this is why he goes after this stuff. He does not want you being there. Stand up with me. Stand up. Woo, a take.